Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Hello. You guys, good to see you. How are you, Montrose Church? Doing well? These high school kids down here act like they know, I know them or something. Good to be with you. Um, I'm going to be closing out our Overlooked series. Pastor Dave is not here, as you can tell, um, so we're thinking and praying for him as he's enjoying some family time. But we're going to be finishing up this fun summer series, Overlooked, and I hope you've enjoyed it. We've gone through the Minor Prophets, and the Minor Prophets are really interesting. Sometimes they can be pretty tough books. Um, but they do have so much to say to Jesus' followers today, and so it's been fun to go through those. And uh, many times they're overlooked, right? So um, it's been fun to dig into those. We're going to be going through the book of Malachi today. And last week was Zephaniah, and this will be Malachi. And this is uh, the book right before the Old Testament ends. If you have your Bible, if you have a physical Bible, there's these two pages that kind of typically separate the Old and New Testament. So Malachi is right before there. So that's where we'll be. And I'll begin with this, church. When I say the word refine, what comes to mind? Okay. Okay. So, so maybe some of you, some, some of you think of uh, a polite person, someone who's really refined their life, right? A, they figured a lot of things out. Or maybe you think of the process of refining something, something losing its impurities, or as someone said... Uh, Right, I don't know if that was you, man, but fire, right? Fire. Does anybody think of fire? Fire can be used to refine. It can also consume, as we know all too well in California with forest fires and things like that. But fire in the right context can refine. And uh, gold and silver can, can and, and, and still is used to be refined by fire, right? Fire can refine those things. And I don't know if anybody's ever seen any of those shows on the Discovery Channel, like Gold Rush or the Alaskan Gold Diggers or anything like that. Really interesting shows. These tough, gruff guys are out there trying to find gold, right? trying to find gold. And what's interesting is if you're watching one of these shows, they'll, they'll, they'll show one of the guys and they find gold. It looks like to all of us, like this muddy rock, and you're like, what's going on there? But they know. They found a treasure. They found some gold, and they know it's going to take some refining, but it will change their life because uh, they found some gold, right? The definition of refine is to free from impurities or unwanted material. And church, I'm convinced that, that Christ wants to refine us. He wants to refine our minds, our hearts, our perspective, our church, our families, our communities. Christ wants to refine us. Our world needs to be refined. Amen? So much brokenness, so much corruption, so many different things that we struggle with. So many times the world misses the mark. And don't get me wrong, there's so much good too. But many areas that need refinement. They need refinement. And I say all this because the book of Malachi is about the great refiner. The great refiner. So our, our text for this morning is Malachi 3, 1 through 4. And then chapter 4, verse 5. So if you have your Bible, if you don't, no worries. It will be on the screen here as we read our text for this morning. 
Malachi 3, 1 through 4. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by, as in the former years. Jumping to uh, chapter 4, verse 5. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord's coming. So that's where we'll be. And Malachi writes these words around 100 years after Israel's come out of the Babylonian exile. So they've been free for quite some time. And the temple has been rebuilt for quite some time. But things are not going well. Not going well. And if you, kind of for timeline's sake, this is the time where, where our stories in the Old Testament of Ezra and Nehemiah kind of all take place around the same time that Malachi is writing. The society is broken, injustice is rampant, corruption, idolatry. And the prophet Malachi begins to speak. He begins to call the people back to God, and he exposes some areas that need refinement. Here's some of those areas that Malachi confronts. The first is that he confronts their, the, the people's mindset of God. The people of Israel have forgot that God loves them that God has brought them up out of exile and is a covenant God who has not left them. See, so he reminds them, hey, God is near. He's never stopped pursuing you and he loves you. The, the second thing Malachi confronts is their defilement of the temple and their lack of taking the worship of God seriously. The people have fallen into this apathetic, idol type of, of following God. And Malachi says, God is not pleased. And not only is it the people of Israel, but it's also the priests and the leaders, the ones who should be helping others grow and teaching them, they fall into this lackluster type of worship. So Malachi confronts that. Thirdly, Malachi confronts the broken family systems and the idolatry that's come from that. The Israel men are divorcing their wives for, for no good reason, and then idolatry is running rampant because of this. Broken family systems, kind of think like Solomon had many wives, right? And slowly his heart was turned away from God because there was all this idolatry going on. That's what was going on here with Malachi and these people. So he confronts them. He confronts them. You're a covenant people. Those promises you made matter. And God is a covenant God. And then finally Malachi confronts, and this is connected to the second one, the lack of offerings to the temple. Uh, they're not tithing. They're not giving anything back to God. And maybe the only sermon you've ever heard out of the book of Malachi is a sermon on tithing. Because tithe, that word shows up in, in, in chapter 3, verse 10. And it just means a tenth, right? One tenth. And, and Malachi tells the people, hey, everything you have is God's in the first place. You're just a steward of it. So give some back to God. Give him your resources. So these are the areas that Malachi addresses, areas that need refinement. And he tells them, the refiner will come. The purifier of silver, he will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. 
So as we understand a little bit more about the context of Malachi, um, I want to ask this question to you all. What in our world needs refinement? It needs some refining. Now, if I pass the mic around, we could probably be here all day, right? There's a lot of different areas that need refining. A lot of things. But for this morning, I, I think we should focus on what Malachi brings up to the people of Israel. Because just like the word of God so many times does, it speaks directly into our present day context. So the first point is this, a refined message. A refined message for the two of you that are taking notes. A refined message. Okay. Maybe one. Maybe one. Everybody else is like, I got it, Cole. I got it up here, man. I got it. Malachi begins with confronting the people about their mindset of God. They've forgotten that God loves them. Church says, our world know that God loves them. Now, immediately, you should be like, ugh, ugh. Yeah, I think so. Like, that should be our main message, right? Absolutely, it should be our main message. It should be our main message. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You know this? That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the people that agree with me. No. For God so loved the people that have the same political stance as me. Nope. For God so loved whatever, right? No, it's for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. So we should be those people who point people consistently back to the amazing love of God. The world needs love. And not just any type of love. Not conditional love, right? Not, hey, you scratch my back, I scratch your back, or you give something to me, then I'll love you. That's not the type of love that Jesus shows us. An unconditional, fierce, radical type of love from us, from people who call themselves Jesus followers. The world needs that type of love. I was looking up some uh, statistics for this, this section and kind of this thinking about how the world needs love and those kind of things. And I wanted to see after the pandemic, you know, where we're at and, and I kind of figured it was bad, you know, and, and, and it was. So here's, uh, here's these statistics that I think are really interesting and, 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 and honestly breaks our hearts a little bit. The rates of depression and anxiety have climbed more than 25% since the pandemic. Younger people have had the greatest increase of depression and anxiety. And adult women weren't far behind with a 30% increase of depression disorders. Suicide rates have gone up, and 36% of all Americans, including 61% of young adults, feel serious loneliness after the pandemic. So 36% of all Americans feel serious loneliness. And then the young adult number is crazy. So if you know 10 young adults, there's a chance that six of them are struggling with serious loneliness. Our world needs love, church. They need love. And, and, and hear me, all, there's so much that goes into these struggles, right? And we need mental health awareness, medical attention, therapy. Yes, 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 all those things, right? But also, we have a role to play in showing others love. Not conditional love, but, but radical, unconditional love that Jesus shows us. Because, friends, I'm convinced that once people get a glimpse of the love that you see in Scripture, it will change them. It will change them. He changes the hearts of his people when we begin to understand that type of love. The one who entered into our brokenness and messiness, and as Eugene Peterson says, he moved into our neighborhood why? All for love. 
the one who called ordinary and messed up people to be his followers and showed them the way of the kingdom of God. Why? All for love. The one who continually showed grace to his followers when they continually messed it up. And then he got even closer and leaned into the marginalized and the broken and the world had threw them away. Christ moved in. Why? All for love. Because he loved them. The one who would ultimately lay down his life because sin needed to be defeated and you and I needed a savior. Church, why? You picking this up? All for love. All for love. It's all for love. And this amazing love of God should change us. Should change us. Brennan Manning, one of my uh, favorite Christian authors, he says this. I could more easily contain Niagara Falls in a teacup than I can comprehend the wild uncontainable love of God. You can't contain Niagara Falls in a teacup, right? You understand that? Okay, okay. Just making sure you're picking that up. Okay. And when the world sees you and me and us, do they see that type of love? That uncontainable, uncontrollable, beautiful and amazing type of love? I hope so. If we're honest, probably not enough. But before we give away this love, right, we have to know deeply within our bones that we are loved by God. He's the one who leaves the 99 to find you and I. The one who, who we betray and throw away our inheritance and finally kind of we wake up and we come home and guess what? He's taking off after us and he's about to throw a party, like just like the prodigal. He loves us. The people in Malachi's day were asking this question, does God love me? Does God love me? And Malachi reminds them, yes, he does. He does. He's at work. And our world is asking that same question. Does God love me? Does, does he still love me? Uh, maybe, maybe he used to, but now I don't know. I've done some crazy things. No, he does. He still loves you. And he's calling you to more, and he wants to refine you. Brandon Manning says, uh, again says this. Define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is an illusion. One more time for the people in the back. Brennan Manning says this. Define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. All other identities are an illusion. And we have all kinds of identities, don't we? So can we refine the message, church? Refine the message. Keep the main thing the main thing, as my pastor friend says. Let it be Christ's love. For God so loved the world. And can we cut off the messages that sometimes we give, right? And keep it that message of God's amazing love. Point number two, a refined church. Malachi addresses the lackluster worship and commitment to God. They're defiling the temple and not sacrificing anything. And for this church, they're, they're, this, this comes to mind, and I hope this isn't harsh, but but it's this, the world doesn't need any more apathetic Christians. The world doesn't need any more Christians who are like, eh, whatever, you know, just on idol. Why? Because we have plenty of those. And of course, God loves those people. And when we struggle, you know, in seasons of, of, of doubts, absolutely, there's space for that. But when we sit in a space where we've experienced God's love and we're still idol, that's when we're missing it. Because Jesus 
When we understand his love for us, he changes us. He drives us to action and movement, right? It should cost us something. He changes everything. I'm a, I'm a baseball coach at, at Crescenta Valley High School. And, uh, and uh, I mostly work with the JV and younger kids. And what's interesting about being a coach and being around the game of baseball for a long time is, is typically when we get a new player, I can kind of tell if they're going to be a, a varsity player or maybe even go to college and play, right? I can tell pretty quickly if you were to ask me if they're going to excel and, and do really well. And the reason is because uh, certain types of players are about it. They're committed. They will sacrifice a lot to be a great baseball player, right? Versus the kids who are maybe just there because their mom made them or they're just to hang out with friends and stuff. That's totally fine. But those players typically won't excel and be great baseball players, right? And as a coach, when you have a team that is committed, that they're about it, they will sacrifice a lot to be great baseball players. That's a team that's fun to coach. That's a team that will probably win a lot of games and accomplish great things, maybe even win a championship, right? Versus a team uh, with a bunch of kids who are just trying to have a good time and, 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 you know, just hang out, and that's fine, again. But that's a team that's tougher to coach, and you're probably going to lose a lot of games, you know? The world needs a team, a church who's committed to Christ, a people who are about it, a people who will sacrifice and give and constantly show up consistently. Why? Because it means something to them. And when we are surrounded with other people who are doing that, if somebody walked into the sanctuary the first, for the first time and saw a bunch of people who were committed and they were sacrificing for this thing called the kingdom of God, man, that's exciting. People will notice. People will notice. And let me say this too about uh, following Jesus. When we follow Jesus half-heartedly with apathy, and, and I've done it, and, and probably most of you in this room have done it, right? We miss out on so much. We miss out on the fun and the fulfillment that comes from God and living for him with all we have. And the world sometimes likes to tell you, ah, oh, you can't really pour that much into church and, and, and loving others and loving God, and it's not that fun. It's, it's the opposite of that. It's the most fun. It's the most fulfilling. Do you want to know purpose? Do you want to know peace? Follow Jesus with everything that you have. When, you, when we can get to a place of surrendering our lives, that's when we begin to see the beauty and, and, and the amazing journey of this life with Christ. But if we're just living with apathy, right, going through the motions, we're missing out on a lot of that beauty. And, and don't take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. All right? I know some of you guys are like, Colton, you're like a 27-year-old pastor. You're really young. You know? I know, I know, I know, I know. Okay. All right? Don't take my word for it. Take the saints' words for it. Take the people you know who have lived faithfully uh, for Christ their entire life. And when you read those things from the saints or those various people, you know what they say at the end of their life? Man, I wish I would have gave Jesus a little bit less. They never say that, ever. <laughs> Church, they never say that. Did I fool you with that? Yeah. They never say that. They always say, man, I wish I would have gave Jesus a little bit more. I wish I would have made him the centerpiece of my family. I wish I would have made him the centerpiece of my marriage. I wish I would have showed up to church more. I wish I would have served the kingdom a little bit more. That's what they say. That's what they say. 
I had a professor in college named Ed Robinson. He was a, a spiritual giant and pastor and teacher, and he was the president of a, a Nazarene University for a while. And he loved baseball, and we got along really well. And he taught New Testament, and then he taught this course on Jesus that, that I'll never forget. It was incredible. But he would always tell his students uh, the same thing. Tell people that a life lived in Christ is the most fulfilling and joyous life one can have. And I'll never forget that. Tell people that a life lived in Christ is the most fulfilling and joyous life one can have. So as we look at these people in Malachi Church, a people who were not about it, they weren't committed, they weren't sacrificing anything. Can we learn from them and be a people who are committed? Not perfect, right? We'll never be perfect, but a people who consistently show up. A people who consistently sacrifice and give our resources and ultimately give our lives. Because guess what? That's the best place we can leave our lives with Christ. Point number three, a refined vision. Malachi addresses idolatry and family. We need a refined vision to see what matters most in life. It's so easy, just like Israel, to lose sight of the things that are most important. And Malachi reminds them, hey, family's important. You can't let it be something, you can't let it become something on the back burner. And church, if we're not careful, we can begin to let our vision be clouded and chase things that will ultimately leave us empty. Ultimately leave us broken. And Malachi's harsh with them. He says, you are a covenant people. God is a covenant God. Don't give in to the lies and the temptation of the, and the idolatry. You need to see what matters most. My, uh, my brother, he uh, didn't get glasses until he was a freshman in college. And he was a pre-med major doing a lot of study and had these migraine headaches that were just crazy. And he's finally like, ah, I, need to, I need to go to uh, the eye doctor. So he goes, and, and, he, and he finds out he needs glasses. And so he comes back, and, and I'm like, oh, dude, nice, your glasses. You know, when you see someone for the first time in glasses, you're, you always, like, double take, you know, because they look a little different. And I was like, hey, dude, they, those are good, man. Do they, do they really help? How are they? He goes, yeah, they really help. I didn't know what I was missing, but now I can just see everything a little more clear. That's what he said. And church, so it is when we have the refined vision of Christ. Everything is just a little more clear. Because we begin to get to a place where we say, hey, those things that I used to think were so important, so valuable, they're, they're not as important anymore. Those social media stuff, the status stuff, those material things, I, I used to think they were so important, but now I don't because I can see through Jesus' lens. I can see a little better. And now I can see what's the most important, the most important things in my life, what's really valuable to God and should be valuable to me. And that's family. That's my marriage. That's spending time with my parents or spending time with my kids, showing up to church and pouring into a, a body of Christ and serving in my community. Man, I can see those things are valuable I used to not be able to, to, to see them because my vision was clouded. We need Christ to refine our vision. We need him to give us a new lens in which we see the world. 
And church, this is why showing up to church and, or, or a Bible study or some kind of gathering, right, of, of the people who call themselves Jesus followers, this is why this is so important. It's so vital. Because it's as if every time you walk through the sanctuary, we place the lens in which we see the world in the offering plate. And then we're in here breaking open scripture, talking about Jesus, worshiping, right, praising. Our glasses, our lens in which we see the world are getting cleaned. And then as we go from this place, man, we put, we put those glasses, that lens back on, and it's like, man, now I can see with Jesus' eyes. That's why it's important to show up. And not, you know, not just here. This isn't just a plug for church. I mean, it kind of is, but, but you know, like, it's important that we have a consistent gathering and a sharpening because throughout the week, man, our lens can get a little bit dirty, a little bit clouded. Christ, refine our vision. Can that be our prayer, friends? We need better vision to see what matters most. Point number four, the great refiner. Throughout this journey of the minor prophets, it's, it's been really interesting, and, and Pastor Dave's done a great job. There's some tough books in the minor prophets and some tough kind of narratives and things, and he's done a really good job. And um, I don't know if you noticed this, but all the minor prophets are, are a little bit the same. They're a little bit the same. And they, they have kind of their own spin, of course, but all of them are a little bit the same, right? They all have kind of begin with Israel that's corrupt, broken, unjust, and then there's a prophet who's speaking on behalf of God and calling the people of God back, right? Zephaniah last week, Malachi this morning, calling the people back to God. It's an awakening. He's calling them and telling them, hey, hey, you need to wake up. You need to wake up. And Malachi alludes to this, church, that the great refiner is God's primary and most beautiful and amazing attempt at awakening his people. Malachi warns them, he's coming. John the Baptist will lead the way, and then the great refiner who is Christ is coming. So don't miss it. Don't miss it. And friends, we can't miss it. We can't miss it. And, and we even have an advantage, right? Because the people in Malachi's day, they, they had to take his word for it, right? They had to take the prophet's word for it. But we can read about the great refiner in these pages and Jesus and see his amazing life and miracles, and, and, and journey, right? The cross and the resurrection. We can see it, so we don't have as much of an excuse. We need to be about it. We need to be about it. And hear me, friends, I hope, like, today that you didn't hear that this refining journey and letting Christ refine us is not about, like, us, like, being as strong as we can and gritting our teeth and all those kind of things. That's not what this is about. Because all the work has already been done. On the cross and the resurrection, Jesus took care of it. The great refiner already took care of it. So all we have to do is just surrender our lives to him and lean in and let him refine us and let him burn away our iniquities, our shame, our guilt, our addictions, whatever is keeping us from being God's people that we know we need to be and should be in the world. Can we let the great refiner burn those things away this morning, church, by his spirit? Because we aren't the same. The world is not the same when they encounter the great refiner. Not the same when they encounter Jesus. He changes us. Uh, 
There's this little story that I think will help us a little bit with this kind of refining idea. It goes like this. There was a small group during, there was a small group doing a Bible study on the book of Malachi. As they were studying chapter 3, they came across verse 3, which says, He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. This verse puzzled the group, and they wondered what this statement meant about the character and nature of God. One of the women in the group offered to find out about the process of refining silver and get back to the group at their next Bible study. That week, the woman called up a silversmith and made an appointment to watch him at work. She didn't mention anything about the reason for her interest in silver beyond her curiosity about the process of refining it. As she watched the silversmith, he held a piece of silver over the fire and let it heat up. He explained, in refining silver, one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were the hottest as to burn all the way the impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a spot. Then she thought again about the verse that, that says he sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. She asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the whole time the silver was being refined. The man answered, yes. And not only I have to sit here holding the silver, I also have to keep my eyes on the silver the whole time. Because if the silver was even left in the flames for just a moment too long, it would be destroyed. The woman was silent for a moment. Then she asked the silversmith, well, well how do you know when the silver is fully refined? He smiled and answered, oh, that, that's the easiest part. It's when I see my image reflected in it. Friends, God wants to refine us. He does. So we can be a better image of Jesus in the world. And just like the refiner's story, you can be sure that God is holding us while we're being refined through the good and the bad and the suffering and the highest of mountains and the lowest of valleys. God is holding us throughout this journey. Don't forget it, but he's refining us so we can be a better image of him in our hurting world. I want to invite the band uh, back up. Church, thanks for being here. Thanks for... Uh, Journey with us through the Minor Prophets summer series. It's, it's been fun, and we'll kick off a, a new series next week. Excited for it. It's called Seriously. Seriously? Seriously, yeah. <laughs> Ser ser yeah. So that'll be fun, going through the Sermon on the Mount. But uh, thanks for being here. The, the word Malachi, it means messenger. And uh, there's a few different messengers in the book of Malachi. There's obviously the prophet Malachi. And then there's, he, he, he references John the Baptist who will lead the way, right, as a messenger, right? And, but there's another messenger, and, and that's the people of God. It's the people of God. It's you, it's me, it's us. We're called to be Christ's messengers. A light to the world, a light that points to the greater light, the great refiner. You are a refined messenger wherever you go today, church. Wherever you go, in your family, in your job, school. I know school's starting up for a lot of y'all. You're a refined messenger when you go there. Don't forget it. And not to, to, to point people to us and say, man, look how, look how refined I am. Look how good my life is. No, no. To say, he, he even saved a wretch like me. I took some serious refining. And I got a long ways to go, but, but the great refiner is able. He is able by his Holy Spirit's power. So can we have a simple prayer this morning, church? Christ, refine us. Refine us. 
refine our vision, refine our message, man. We, we have all kinds of messages as a church. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Let it be about love. Let it be about Jesus. Refine us and help me see the things that are most important when I leave this place. And burn away, God, burn away anything that is keeping me from being more like you. Can that be our prayer? All right, let's pray. Gracious God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for a chance to, to gather together as the body of Christ. Thanks for those who joined online and, and are engaging online. God, we have a simple prayer. It's, would you refine us? Would you refine our message? Would you refine this church? Would you refine our vision? Refine us, God. Burn away what needs to be burned away. And, and, and with your love and your grace, you will lead us to a better life. A life of purpose and fulfillment in you. So God, refine us. And by your spirit, we are able to do so much because of you. So be with every person as they go from this place, God. Give them encouragement. Uh, empower them to be your people, your refined messengers in our world. We love you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.